You're listening to The Pedestal from Mike on Much, presented by Much Studios. Welcome to The Pedestal. I'm your host, Mike Veerman. I'm here with Shane Christian Cunningham. And we're also here with John Popolis. Hello, hello. So today on the show, we are doing uh, Napoleon Dynamite. Which is an interesting choice. Johnny, you kind of came up with this one. Yeah. What was the thing? Let our, let our listeners in on why we were doing Napoleon Dynamite for one of our 10 pedestals of season two. Napoleon Dynamite was actually one of the ones me and Shane first talked about when we were coming up with this. Just because it was at the time like a big pop culture explosion uh and i'm not a hundred percent sure regardless of what what we say about the quality if that that pop culture explosion has continued on into 2019 so i think it'd be a very interesting uh time to 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 look back on it now and see whether or not this movie actually really does hold up and deserved all the craziness that was surrounding it at the time Exactly. I mean, it's, you know, we talked, we did Garden State, which is actually a, a very sort of a seminal movie for a lot of people of our age. This definitely was sort of a, uh, like you said, a pop culture phenomenon. Huge. This was an extremely famous movie yes. uh, for a lot of reasons. And I will delve into those over the next uh, little bit. But um, just for some context, listeners, this movie came out in 2004. It was the 70th highest grossing film of 2004. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> uh, do you guys want to guess uh, what the budget is? Hmm. The budget. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. One and a half million dollars. <laughs> if you do a drum roll. Oh, I'm never. In. I'm horrible at okay, these. Okay. So Johnny Wait. says one point okay. five for the budget on Napoleon Dynamite. Shaney boy, you're pretty good at these. Yeah. This one's gonna fuck me up. I know that was a pretty decent guess, but I'm gonna say f- four point five million. Napoleon Dynamite was made on a budget of four hundred thousand dollars. <sighs> Shit, I knew. I knew you I had a good guess. I thought it was going to be lower too. Just under half a million. I even thought a million was was a stretch. It had to be one like uh, profit, profit wise. It had to be insane. So gross, or I guess what it made uh, in two thousand and four was. Forty-six point one million dollars. Holy shit! So, as far as a ratio or investment, uh, that's a great return. Yeah. Yeah. To give it some context, we talk about the uh, top five grossing films of two thousand and four. So you realize, oh, what kind of era was it? What was this film sandwiched around? What was popular back then before this movie sort of came in and and broke the mold, or at least was something a little different? Uh, Top five. I'll give you five. Passion of the Christ. All right. That was only number. That's what I was thinking. Damn. It was. Didn't that make a billion dollars? They did. Yeah. Shrek. I always say Shrek for all these. Shrek 2 is number Shrek one. Two. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Harry Potter oh, wait. And, and the Prisoner of Azkaban. That was going to be my next guess. Was it really? Yes, because uh, I, but you didn't I worked at a, a movie theater home. at the time. That's this why. was your era at yeah. Silver City. Yeah. Did you go see the Harry Potter movie? No. Mm. Again, <laughs> this is Shrek like... Two? Uh, no. Right. <laughs> this is the I didn't see uh, Trek two, and I was very late to the Harry Potter movies. But uh, yeah, this is kind of like the 2004 was the year of sequels. Spider Man two that was the third highest grossing. There you go. And uh, did I already say number four was? Uh, is it a Lord of the Rings? No, it's not. This oh, is not a, a sequel, by the it's way. Not a Star Wars. It's since become a sequel though. This year, or I guess last year since 2019, The Incredibles. Ah, that was a good movie, man. That was great. That was a great. Did anyone movie. see this sequel? It was incredible. I did. It was all right. I haven't. I haven't. I yet, thought so. it was good. It was. It felt like a lot of rehashing of the first one. It felt like I'm not 100 percent sure why they made it, but it was still. Fun I haven't to watch. seen any of the films in the top five. Wow, you haven't seen Passion? Nope. Passion. I, it's not a good movie. I've but never it's one seen of those, Passion like, either. It's. I felt like it was just one of those. Like it was such a phenomenon. You kind of have to see it. I saw it on Easter because I remember there was that. It was like number one for a while, and then the numbers went down. And then on Easter, it went like big number one again because everyone was like, well, I mean, 
Let's, 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 I'm thinking about Jesus. Yeah. I'm not yeah. even a religious person at all, but it was... You know, I think it's funny you mention that because all of us do think, oh, The Passion is like one of the biggest grossing films of all time internationally. I wonder if the, the thought process is more like it costs so much to make that people thought it was going to be a Waterworld situation. So the fact that it did so well, people then... Like its success was it. so crazy compared to a Spider-Man 2. Or what people thought was going well, to happen. Well, I just remember I people took fail. off work to go see it and stuff. So I just thought it had, must have made an insane amount. Yeah, yeah. Religious people, man. Yeah, man. Chris They're nuts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tweet me at Shane. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so as we do, we like to, uh, you know, first sort of frame what this film was like for us in real time back in 2004, what we thought of it then, uh, sort of what it meant to us, and then we'll get into the case for keeping it on, and then consequently the case for potentially knocking it off. So what is your relationship like with this film? Johnny, can I start with you? Sure. Uh, so this movie, I, I, uh, there's no other movie I have seen in the movie theaters more than Napoleon Dynamite. I saw it nine times in theaters. Oh my god! Because wow. I, I thought religious people became, were not. <laughs> 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 this became my religion yeah. for a period of time. I was like, I was obsessed with it. I was like, obs- I saw uh, when I first saw it. It was Shane has said this with other movies, like life changing, mm-hmm. like as if there was before and after seeing this movie. And I became like obsessed with it. I became obsessed with dragging people to go see it because it was like in indie movie time where if you're not going to see it in movie theater there's a good chance you may never see it. like I, I wasn't sure this would get a dvd release like now you can find yeah. things on itunes anything but, but streaming would, was still a distant yeah uh, technology. so i would i would bring people i was one of the people i was like the one of the malcolm gladwellian like tipping point people who was like running around telling you must see this movie you must see this movie uh what are I, they called mavens uh yeah there was a term it might be maven mm-hmm. i know it was uh, uh paul revere's Anyways, right. the book. You know, you've read the book. Yeah. Um, Is yeah. where you insert your editor's note. Editor's yeah. note. <laughs> editor's note. Uh, like I was, I was a, a, a movie reviewer. I have this written down here. I was a film reviewer for my school newspaper at the time, the Ryer, the Ryerson Eye Opener. And yeah. I reviewed this movie. I gave it five out of five stars. And I wrote Napoleon. Di- this is in October 13th, 2004. I wrote Napoleon Dynamite is the epitome of detachment. It is extraordinarily weird and inventive. And despite being such a bizarre character, you will not be able to help but cheer for Napoleon as he drifts through his life with a chip on his shoulder. So that mm-hmm. is exactly how I felt on October 13th, 2004. You sound like a legitimate reviewer yeah, in 2004. Almost too much. What is what is that first line? I don't mean? know. I was, that was me being... <laughs> I know that that was me being like 21 and being like trying to be like... Recreate cool the blur. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. But anyways, I... Loved it. I wow, I had it. no idea you had this kind of relationship with it. Yeah, so yeah, my my girlfriend at the time, I was so obsessed with this movie, she got a Vote for Pedro t-shirt made for me as a Christmas present back when like, because now you can get a Vote for Pedro t-shirt like on any like like t-shirt store. It's oh, like yeah. a fun, kitschy thing. But like no one knew what the hell, I was so excited. It was like a, it was a full-on replica of that shirt. I thought it was the fucking funniest thing I've ever seen when I got that shirt. Like yeah. I was obsessed with this movie. Obsessed wow. with it. Yeah. Oh, me? Go no? for it, oh, Shane. Okay. What did you think of it? I'm sure you felt exactly the same as me. No, no. I, I did think Vote for Pedro t-shirts were very funny in an ironic way, yeah. much in the same way someone would say run, Forrest, run, way past saying it, or yeah. high five like Borat. So I was shooting skits at, at this period in my life with like a 65-year-old man. <laughs> now he's, I guess, 75. But uh, I would put him in a Vote for Pedro, Vote for Pedro t-shirt in skits, like ironically, because I thought it was so stupid. Uh-huh. Uh, but as far as the <laughs> not not to uh, call you an idiot, <laughs> only a complete yeah, moron. I made would fun of people like, like you. <laughs> <laughs> what you like is dumb to me. Um, 
But as far as the film goes, I was hugely into Wes Anderson at the time. And anyone who attempted to rip him off, much in the same way when Pulp Fiction came out, mm -hmm. if there was a copycat, you kind of couldn't enjoy the film because you're so distracted by the derivativeness of it. Mm -hmm. Family Guy went through the same thing with The Simpsons. So I was kind of in that camp, that annoying, critical camp of it. And I also had a little bit of resentment towards John heater because that's his name john heater yeah yeah everyone said he looked like me so <laughs> what's with all these movies from I don't know. early knots that we do with guys that and look I, like you and i was working at the <laughs> he's theater. got a classic early 2000s look <laughs> yes <laughs> well everyone at the theater would be like hey it's it's john heater so and would you uh, be like stop it <laughs> <laughs> like, don't look like him <laughs> wearing that vote for pager t-shirt didn't help yeah. <laughs> yeah um but i i don't think i've ever sat through this film front to back all right so yeah this was my first time and by the way i saw this under weird circumstances i watched this at 5 a.m okay so i'm not sure if that's the best circumstance <laughs> to watch a movie like this hey, that's man, what i to hold up under any circumstance yeah. that's the thing <laughs> uh yeah so i i distinctly remember this film becoming a phenomenon and whenever something kind of has like this sort of like indie like grassroots where it's like everyone's like oh this movie's like the coolest thing you have to see this thing I'm always like my natural instinct. I become very Gen X, and Contrarian, I'm like sort of a little bit. Like I kind of am just like really okay. Like you hear that about it. you got to see the show Skins, or like you know, there's all these like weird sort of idiosyncratic things out there that people are like, this is the shit. And if you don't see it, like you're missing out. So I'll kind of get a little bit, like you said, contrarian, or just a little bit. You know, I, I'll get around to it when I get around to it. Right. I'm not going to rush out. Uh, so. I'm I'm trying to 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 really think if I saw this in the theater and I I don't have a memory of seeing it in the theater. I think I might have saw it when it came out on DVD. So I did not sort of rush out to do it, but because people were talking about it, um I did watch it uh, when it came out. I think I was living at Veer Mansion at the time. This is a house that we call Veer Mansion uh with my brother and uh maybe Dan. But that was kind of the first time I saw it. And I remember and I remember watching it and thinking like uh Oh yeah, like I get it. Like I get why people like this. It, it's very distinct, and like the characters are charming in this sort of bizarre way. And it is funny in for a certain type of comedy. If you're into sort of like, you know, there's there's certain types of comedy that you can like watch it, and some people will be like, uh, I don't get it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like they don't get why something is funny. They're just kind of taking it for what it is. They'll be like, oh, that is funny because it is so sort of like peculiar. You know what I mean? That's the comedy. So I kind of watched it more like, um, I don't know, uh, intellectually than maybe like. LOLing back then. Right. Um, although I did laugh a few times. But yeah, I took it in as sort of just like for what it was with the context knowing that all these sort of like, it was kind of this underground thing that had exploded into a mainstream thing that everyone was like, you must see it. So I watched it the once and I was like, yeah, I get it. And then I kept it moving. So right. that was my relationship. There you go. Um, but then also it kept popping up throughout the years. Our good friend Matt McPeak and his uh, now wife, they went as um, Napoleon and Pedro. Oh, uh, yeah. It was hilarious because his, his wife's pretty tall. So she had like the crazy wig on and he's got darker skin. So he was Pedro and they were it was an amazing Halloween That's costume funny. for the two of them. And his favorite movie is Nacho Libre. Also a Jared Hess film who directed. That's this. correct. Yeah. Uh, but it's funny, you know, watching this film back. All I could think about is, of course, Peak. Like, it's such a movie that Peak would love. Like, yeah. I just picture him and, and, and his wife, like, laughing their asses off at this movie. Mm -hmm. um, which which was uh, very funny on the second viewing. It was, I like that we did this movie because this is a movie I never would have watched again except right. for this podcast. Yep. Um, so it was an interesting Which is strange. Exercise. I think there's a lot of people who might not. For a movie that was so big at the time, it was such a cultural, like, bomb that went off. 
Yeah. No one talks about it. Yeah, and this sort of cult classic character. People know who Napoleon Dynamite yes. is. I don't even have any good skills. You know, like nunchuck skills, bow hunting skills, computer hacking skills. Girls only want boyfriends who have great skills. It's like, oh, I would never revisit that. You know what I mean? Well, I'm would want... we ever go back and watch Borat? Like in your That's... lifetime, will you ever see Borat again? If Borat came on like the movie network, I absolutely would stop and watch for like 25 minutes. Like I'd just be so fascinated to see if the gags held up. I would keep it moving with, with Napoleon Dynamite. I don't know why. But I, I watch would've. Borat all the time. Really? For sure. <laughs> yeah, I do. I still think it's great. I think it dipped down. I think it got so popular that it got super duper annoying. Overrated? Super overrated. And then I kind of went away from it for a while and then kind of came back to it. And I'm like, now that like the crowds have gone away, I now can enjoy this movie again. Yeah. That would be an interesting one to do. Maybe I think that's, season three, I, baby. I feel like Borat is right in the same Real House as this is something that was huge then and sort of, I don't know if... The, Annoyingly the, huge. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You know, this movie kind of reminds me a little bit of like a band, like a hip band, like, I've I don't know, like The Strokes or something like that. same thing about this movie. It's very of its time and like, yeah, yeah. Okay. So that, that I'll, is I'll, good, I'll get into some of, stuff, some of that stuff later on, but yeah, I've, I've said those words before. It's a great segue to get into reasons for keeping it on the pedestal. Uh, what did we like about it? What was the best scene? What was the best performance? We will hit uh, all of those things. So first of all, uh, what did we like about it when we watched it now in 2019? I'll start with a opener. I Go like the it. opening credits. I, great point. Yeah, I thought they were really... Uh, they stand out, you know, opening credits are kind of one of the more boring things you can have. You can either have it over an existing scene, which is kind of distracting because you're you're not really thinking the movie has officially started. But I like this. It, it set the tone for the entire film and had it live in this quirky, weird Wes Anderson-esque world, which I think was the intention. Yeah, it's it sort of it's set it up as a high school movie, but like not like a cool high school movie by seeing like protractors and doodles and someone's writing on an eraser it's more like the sort of kind of like your weird high school experience rather than sort of like a big like epic high school story like well and it said like i'm an i'm the director and i'm an auteur i'm yes. not just you're i'm not vision. just watching some film yes well that's the, the, when i saw the credits i immediately thought you know it's always interesting to me when directors make this choice because it really is its own like short film within a film where it's like it's its own artistic piece where it's like so much thought went into okay what's the sequence of these how are we going to write and catch up on this and then we're going to we need to actually do like 20 of these little things mm -hmm. let's start brainstorm it's its own small film and so if somebody's going to go to that level to shane's point you're sort of putting your stamp on it you're going like i'm showing right away i have a vision and i've been he's probably been thinking about those yeah. opening credits for a decade uh, here's the thing though it's funny that you both say that they those, did it after the fact yeah they yeah. made those credits after. So whose note was Fox it, Searchlight. Interesting. They they bought it. They wanted to put because they because there were no opening credits. They wanted they the main reason was that there was a big worry that a lot of people thought this movie took place in like the eighties. So they wanted to have something where there's like the student card that says two thousand four on it, and it kind of went from there. So it really was Fox Searchlight being like, we need to the way you start your movie is wrong. You need to start your movie this. Mm -hmm. I'm sure he had. Jared Hess no, but you know what's Hess. interesting about that is constantly creatives talk about how uh, studios I and suits meddle in the creative and they fuck it up. This is a great example, and I think it needs to be sort of acknowledged when it does happen. Because we're always like, Big oh, that plot was crazy. That was clearly a studio note. This seems like an example of the like the studio actually making a good call where they're going, how is this going to be more appealing? And MTV Studios also right. is part of it. Yeah. yeah. When this runs on TV for the next decade... What is like? What catches you right away? Yeah. What's interesting? What sets the tone? Mm -hmm. And I thought that the credits really set the tone. Absolutely, I, I was just going to say that about the notes from the studio. They're better than you think. It's so Almost easy to always, slag on because them. you don't yeah. think about like because you don't, the only ones you ever talk about are one that you believe they did it wrong. But 
90% of those notes proliferated through the movie and they all probably made the movie a lot better. Because these people are nuts. They didn't accidentally become studio people. They know what they're doing. They know how to make movies. And there are creatives that work in those jobs. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Completely agree. So yeah, that's kind of like right off the top. You notice you, okay, I'm watching something that uh, feels like it's going to be very uh, distinct. And I don't think that the credits... uh, I don't think that that uh, ever changed once you get into it and you sort of no. meet Napoleon for the first yeah, time. Yeah, the filmmaking in the world is a character unto itself. And and like you said, I actually have Wes Anderson, I'm sure you're going to bring him up, but the fact that there's so few kind of comedy auteurs kind of is a, is one of the biggest reasons this hit me so hard that like... There's there's a there's a hand like I I was trying to actually figure to think about other yeah, than that's, I other, can't think of another other than Wes Anderson I put Mel Brooks I put Edgar Wright I put Christopher Guest but already we're starting to get into like more weird like yeah. like people who take comedy seriously and want to make like a real artistic comedy film like it's, I'd say Lonely Island maybe but that's not necessarily sure. filmmaking but yeah, like pop star but yeah I guess yeah. Like, but that like, feels uh, broad like like some someone might say Adam McKay but it's like I no. have Adam McKay as a question mark or Todd Phillips as a question mark yeah. but are they making are they making an artistic film or are they just very good at making be- comedy because films? to be a, an auteur I would think within two minutes of watching the film you have to be able to tell who the director 100%. is 100% and I you think if you can't do that with like, Jared Hess 100% like I, yeah. I, I saw I wrote this down because I saw there's this show called Making History that was this like random show with Adam Pally, but a guy is time traveling. And like within the first like three shots, I'm like, this is a really cool. I haven't seen a lot of sitcoms that look like this. And it came up that Jared Hess had directed that pilot. And I'm like, 100%. Like, I, you could tell almost uh, immediately that there was a real artist on this. Mm-hmm. I think the Eric Andre show is a good example of kind of like an auteur mm-hmm. style mm-hmm. with the sound effects and everything. They Absolutely. Do. Obviously, not a film, but that's the only thing I can really People who cite. Take combat and, and don't think of it as just stick a camera in front of someone telling jokes, like a Judd Apatow style, like just stick a camera and the jokes will do this. The, the filmmaking is part of the comedy. Oh yeah. yeah, like there's like, like right off the top, you see there's like locked off shots, there's snap zooms that happen, like the mm-hmm. sort of, you know, the, 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 the bike jump. It's a sledgehammer. Dang, you got shocks, pegs, lucky. You ever take it off any sweet jumps? Like, that scene's very funny, <laughs> obviously. <love> that. <laughs> uh, but even the way it's shot is done in, like, a way that it feels very artistic, like a like a commercial that someone would make that's, like, really thought about, I want to frame it this mm-hmm. way, you want to zoom in, and then it's, like, you go back to the wide reset, and then it's, like, he fu- yep. you think he's going to take the jump, and then you get you got to imagine, uh, uh, like, Taika Waititi, I feel like, has made, I feel like, because he made Eagle versus Shark, like, very soon after this movie. And it, so it does feel like this movie, like, informed a lot of comedy directors after this of how you can do stuff like that and yeah. and, and kind of fuck up with the form to, to, to make your jokes. Yeah, you get jokes out of this, this, the angles and yeah. out of like the, the placement of the camera, which people, uh, you, you can do that with certain like zooms and all that. I mean, that's like a big part of like the office is the way that they yep. sort of like will key in mm-hmm. on somebody's response. But yeah, this film, I think Shane brought up a good point about Wes Anderson where it's like it... It's like Wes Anderson movies have funny moments in them, but they're not necessarily comedies. They're yes, kind he's of hard. The Coen Brothers. Whereas, yeah, this feels like, like, what is this movie? Well, a Wes Anderson movie is you watch it and you might not laugh out loud. You're kind of ha haing in your brain or saying that's that's clever. Yeah. And this movie is a ha ha movie. Yeah. And that this is a there's straight a comedy. This is yeah. someone trying to make like like a laugh a minute comedy. This is like a. Weird Mormon. This is what well, this is sort of like Mormon comedy. It's very strange to see because well, John Heater is a Mormon. They all are. Yeah, the, oh. it's, it's a G-rated movie. That's like it's it's because it, the the idea is can you make sort of something with like a Mormon sensibility, but not necessarily Mormon values, but something it does a good job at kind of no tricking swearing. you into thinking it's badass. Yeah, the, mm-hmm. because there's no swearing, there's no sex. It's all just 
It's all alluding to things. Like the only sex is like Uncle Rico, like talking about growing your boobs bigger, and immediately you, I actually kind of you get a visceral reaction from that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's it's a weird window into the mind of of an artist of a as, as a as a comedy movie. You just never. It's just I've 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 kind of hard time trying to find another movie like that. And what's the what's the guy's name who uh, I'm very bad at movie characters' names. The 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 guy who's chatting to babes online. Kip. Kip, Kip the brother. Yes. So with him, I, the reason I was kind of think that this movie's taking risks is when he's dating this black woman and he starts dressing with like a skull cap and stuff. I was like, that's pretty uh, I feel risque. Like, I felt like it's so weird, but it made me laugh. Like it's, you know it's, it's funny there's a lot that. of things in the movie like that. That's a funny one because that actually feels hack now. Yeah. And I think it might have been hack then. But do you know what I mean? I don't know. I think back then it was super funny. Yeah. And I think it's so hack now. That I'm laughing at it in the same way I laughed at my vote for Pedro. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was. Ha- I think it was. We're talking I, about the scene specifically po- where, where when Keep, Kip finally meets uh, the LaFonda. LaFonda from Detroit, the black woman uh, that he's been talking to online. They're now dating. She starts affecting the way he dresses. So within like about a scene or two, he is now fully decked out in like hip hop gear but with like a do rag. I love the scene where she's giving him the chain. That was probably where I laughed the most. Yeah. Just the Great ridiculous scene. gift. Great scene. Great scene. So I thought that was kind of what made that more so acceptable. Broad. Yeah, I know. Like you're saying the stages. Like we see the because, chain first and then. Because she was influencing him as yeah. the, the character. It didn't seem like she's black, so I have to start dressing in, in this way. I that feel I feel like would... I've always seen like old white man comes out in hip hop clothes because Agreed. he's now like changed There's by a the lot culture. That. There was a lot in this movie. Before that movie. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I just... guess it's like how now it's so overboard when there's always a drug scene in movies with uh, people tripping out in slow motion. Yes. Right? Like, that's the new hack move of today. Yeah. I think the, the, uh, maybe for me the reason why the joke works is that I feel... <laughs> but, like, uh, but there's a, in a larger sense the, the, that it kind of earns it more. Like, it's not just that because you feel like you've been set up this whole movie that Kip is chatting on live with babes and there's a girl who <laughs> hasn't even sent me a full body shot. So you think you're hurtling towards a place where this girl's going to stand him up. You think she's that she's going to be gross. Yeah. She's not real. And then instead, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened to him. And his whole life has changed. And he's wearing a do-rag. But not to make it's this his life is now. He's become this new, better person. It's sort I of buy funny. It. The Kip character is also susceptible and kind of searching for something. Throughout. Yeah. He decides to go into business with Uncle Rico. Like I buy it. I buy it within the reality of the thing. And it is good for a laugh. And I like I might be overthinking it as somebody. Like, the we joke all just, seen. I feel, is rooted in more than just look at, look white at the guy white guy in, in a do-rag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it is very much still look at the white kind of dude totally <laughs> that actor's great by the way that guy I thought that plays he's kip. i mean well i'm we'll probably get into him the best character but i thought kip was the best he always makes me laugh the most well the, the, right off the top when he has the line about you know chatting with babes online all day stay home and eat all the freaking chips kip napoleon don't be jealous that i've been chatting online with babes all day besides we both know i'm training to become a cage fighter like right that's yeah. funny and like now like the idea of a guy like that using the word babes, like when they're writing that, they must know it's hilarious. And I feel like everybody would like use that in an ironic way now, but it's just, it really was funny. Because they made a short film. You probably know this. Palooka. They made a short film of this and that's how they developed everything. Mm -hmm. So it was written specifically. They knew this guy could deliver. Yes. Yeah. And John Heater, they all went to, uh, they went to school with John Heater. Actually, I don't know if Kip was in the short film. Okay. I think it was all just based around Napoleon and doing a bunch of stupid stuff. But like, yeah. I think it was just John Heater was in their film class with them, and they made this film. But Kip's kind of in real life. I was lo- looking him up. This is years ago. So okay, yeah, uh, he was a, a DJ, like a cool. Yeah, DJ guy. I didn't yeah. know that. That's awesome. Yeah, still with Lafonda. 
No, I think that was just a uh, not a real thing that happened. <laughs> what? Uh, I found her very attractive, by the way, too. Yeah, yeah, I did. Shade comes in and yeah. direct tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> hey, dudes. <laughs> um, what did I? Uh, so one of the things I, th- you know, I mean, I think everything about that I, that I really liked about it is like they set up this kind of um, this interesting family dynamic without ever explaining anything, and maybe mm-hmm. the short filmed it or whatever. But no, the short film had less plot than this. It was nothing. So, so. I like when films do this where they don't they kind of set up the scene and you kind of start doing the math you go okay okay they live with their grandma so i don't know what happened to the mom grandma who like likes to party who which we'll get to that second (laughs) so it's like they live with the grandma it's like these two well i guess kip's an adult obviously john heater is in uh, napoleon is in high school the uncle rico lives like you know so uncle rico is the son of the grandmother we don't know anything about the parents and and you're just going okay it's just some weird like broken family like what happened to the mom and the dad? We don't mm-hmm. know. They never explain it. And obviously, the grandma has taken on this burden of raising the two grandsons that she's kind of like short with them. You know, she yep. like, doesn't really have time for their shit. And she's at a point in her life where she kind of is like out of her marriage and she just wants to have a good time. So when they go to the dune buggying in the desert, what did her shirt say? Something about... Uh, 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 we got divorced for religious reasons. Oh, God, this is right off the top of my head. My husband thought he was, he was God. God. Yeah. yeah. Like wow. just wow. little things like that. <laughs> well, you did see it nine times in theaters. I guess uh, it's true. Uh, it's, a it's million like, times at home. I just like little things like... Like I like little things like that. And then obviously when she got injured going over the, the cliff or whatever, yeah. so Uncle Rico has to go take care of them. It just sets things in motion without explaining like their mom left them or their parents died in a car yeah. accident. It's just like, this is the reality situation. We almost know as much about them as a student at school would know about That's them. That's a great, yeah, 100%. Yeah. I thought that a lot about Napoleon that I love that he, like he is the sort of like the weird kid in school who lives with his grandma and yeah. his older brother is a weirdo and, just, uh, and, and you rarely have ever see a movie about like, he's not like a smart kid. He's not going to grow up and be rich. Like he's just like weird. He's just super weird and, just and an idiosyncratic person is, taking is up space. Is he supposed to have a condition? I don't think so. I think he's, because you can see there's, there's a lot of self-awareness to him, especially at like the school dance. It's a good question. I, I, I take it, like, I feel like I've known people like him throughout high yeah. school that are very weird. But Would that, I know them? No, no, no. Like, mm. I just mean, like, I, like throughout, like, school, like, whether I was in grade five or grade right. seven, there was always somebody in that that year of that class that's, like, kind of eats by themselves, but then they'll say something weird to, like, kind of, like, get a yes. rise out of the teacher, and it's mm-hmm. like, whoa, that kid's saying something? But they're just, they're weird, their clothes are different, or old, they chop the Valley Village, and you go, huh, it feels like a movie about that kid. 100%. And I don't necessarily know if he has, like, Asperger's or if he's, like, yeah. you know, some sort of weird condition. I think he's just, like, an idiosyncratic, like, weird Person. Weird, just yeah, it's just a weird kid who just and who kind of knows that he's weird. He's not dumb. He's not dumb, and he and he's de- and he desperately wishes that he was like a little cooler than he actually was. So he keeps. But he was to- definitely acting like someone with Aspergers, who who I would say isn't dumb. They're they're just kind of a socially yeah, like maybe on the spectrum in some capacity. Yeah, but you know, I mean, he reminds me, and I mean this in a good way, and I hope this he doesn't take this around. He reminds me a little bit of our friend Rob. Rob, I I could see that they both have curly hair. Only because Rob doesn't really care. Like, he'll say certain things in social situations that aren't what you expect him to say. He doesn't answer yeah. you in the way. He doesn't play by the conventions of, you know, we know we don't have conversations. Mm-hmm. It's like, I ask you a question. You ask me a question. Say something complimentary. Someone mm-hmm. will say some, something complimentary. He doesn't really play by those rhythms. Napoleon yeah. reminded me of that in some ways, where sometimes Rob can be very, like, left of center. And you go, is he fucking with us? But the most normal version ever of that. A hundred percent. But I mean, Do you know I'm, what I mean, though? Like, yeah. Oh, I, I, yeah. I absolutely hear you. It's just with Napoleon, he's kind of like the tour version of <laughs> being on the spectrum like in the sense that within two minutes you can definitely notice that this guy's a character whereas rob you might need to hang out with him for a week 
before you're like, oh man, this guy has some interesting takes that he's not afraid to share. Yeah. Like Napoleon's like, oh God, like you just notice that right away, right? He's kind of like an Adam Sandler character played yeah. by a different person. Like he's kind of quick to anger. He's kind of like Sarah said that it was that she's uh, she said that uh, Jared Kiso, who's on who's been on your show, interesting that Letterkenny. It feels like this is a Letterkenny character. That, that, that I can imagine Jared Kiso loving that movie and loving that style and these sort of people who are all kind of weird, but you put a few other weirdos beside them and they're not super weird anymore. Right. That sort of person. Right. Where only, he's only weird, which is he's only weird because you're seeing him up against bullies and you're seeing up against his brother and his uncle and the people slamming him into lockers and like the pretty girl summer things like that well what's kind of the kind when he's like so just when he's in the thing where he's like drinking the milk and stuff like he's <laughs> he's great like he's a normal person they're impressed with him he gets a medal like he's there's nothing wrong with him there but the, it, he's living in a very weird world yeah and, and like let's not act like pedro's some normal dude no, <laughs> but i'm saying weirdos the moment all when yeah. five weirdos together and that's normal i don't think that they were all like out to lunch and they didn't know what was going on in the world around them I think they were all aware and just an interesting movies like this hero. do movies like this do have always sort of historically done a really good job of like like when I think about watching this movie right the protagonist is obviously Napoleon and mm -hmm. then this sort of secondary character is Pedro and then you have the girl the photographer by the way I really liked her character like how seriously she took her art mm -hmm. uh, oh yeah uh, you know who's kind of the love interest and then you have Kip who's sort of this you know comic relief although everybody's comic relief and then you have the the Haley Duff character right who's the the, the popular pretty Summer. girl yeah Summer who wants to eat chimney changas next year not me see with me. It will be summer all year long. And then her friend who gets stuck having to take, have to go to prom with Napoleon or whatever it is. It's like, if you're watching that and you're kind of the normal, like you're not, you know, maybe like Napoleon or Pedro, you realize, oh, geez, I'm kind of the shitty popular person in mm -hmm. this scenario but you're rooting for like the weirdos like it's kind of like revenge of the nerds in a weird way yeah it's like when i watch this film i would be ashamed that i see myself through the lens of the girl that's being forced to go to the prom with napoleon where the mom's like you have to go be nice to him i'd be like oh man i think i'm that i or i was that kid at times whereas it's like i'd actually it's much cooler to maybe be someone who knows yourself like napoleon and isn't too concerned about like what the outside world thinks maybe it's just i didn't find napoleon to be likable right. i I liked Pedro a lot more than I liked Napoleon. Yeah. I found Napoleon kind of like, uh, like just annoying. Yeah, he also had a meanness. I think, like, yeah. I, I think there was something chip like, on his shoulder. Yeah, if something didn't go, I think he he approaches the world and like, uh, I think he could be mean. You know, like mm -hmm. maybe he's not a fun hang. Maybe there's a reason Napoleon's, you know, just making a friend at the start of the film with Pedro and doesn't yep. have any other. And friends. Pe Pedro seemed like he really had a kind heart and he'd be like fun to hang around with and a good sidekick. But Napoleon, I don't, I don't know really what he was after or his intentions, and he's very uh, volatile. Well, see, I, I think the, the, uh, one of the sneaky parts about this movie is that the Rex Kwando scene, which I love that scene. It's one of my, like, where he's like the... Interesting. Teaching how to do thing. Kind of does... You're crazy just to say that. You don't like that scene? That's the one with the guy from who, uh, Drew, Drew Carey show? Yeah. Oh, we'll talk about that later. Oh, boy. I thought it was really funny. Um, okay. Hey, Jeez. she's giving me a look like well, I just slap thought me. we were more uh, <laughs> in line with each other than this. This is uh, shocking news. But but what it did was it actually did kind of set up what his goals and what his like. He says there's three tenets of Rex Quando. There's the buddy system. There's your image and your clothes and self respect. You think I'm married to Starla and, and da, da da da. And so he starts going. Okay, I got it. So he's like, okay, I have a plan to become a better person. I got to get a buddy. 
I got to get better clothes and look better, and I got to get a girl. And that seems to be his entire, like, MO. So That's goes, interesting. So he goes, so when he meets Pedro, it's like, so we got each other's back, right? Okay, I got here. We sees the suit and the thing. I put that on. I see the girl, and all of none of that works, and it all flames out. And, and so that's why when he gets to the dance, he's like, okay, so maybe doing all that was stupid. Maybe if I go down the track of just helping Pedro and he wants to be president, let's, do, let's go down that road and stop worrying about just things for myself. So yeah, I think he was a deeply. That's a deep person. reading, and I don't think you're necessarily wrong. I think yeah, they that's probably very did. Cool, yeah. They probably did set their mission statement for the film, yeah. and then I didn't. I didn't capture. Or I didn't pick that up, but I think that's a great reading of yeah, it. Did you notice that on your own? Like yes, I didn't. Sixth look. viewing, seventh. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, I the time. <laughs> it's got to be a more recent thing because looking at my old review, I said what, that the movie is plotless and there's no way to track no. anything that happens in this movie. Well, because yeah, that's one driven. of my things. Yeah, it absolutely is. And, and now that I watch it now, I'm like, oh, they're actually like they're clear. Like they clearly have set that because the the key into it is when he says to Pedro, "So you, we have each other's backs, right?" Because that's exactly what Rex Quando says. You got to have someone who watches your back. Interesting. Yeah, so, I buy that. Yeah, so there is this like. The thing that pulls you, which is a tough thing in a lot of, where a lot of comedies fall apart, where it's just jokes, 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 and character, character. But this, and but this does have a underlying something that pulls you from beginning to end. Yeah. Uh, any other things that we uh, really enjoyed? I've got a few. Well, things I, I was ju I was just talking about how Napoleon wasn't likable, but yeah. that's actually something I enjoyed because a lot of times in a, a mm -hmm. film when it's like the character is unpopular. He has to be likable. Lovable loser. And yeah. the, the popular person should go with him because he's a really nice guy or something. He wasn't like, he was like an alpha mean nerd yeah. who's kind of like, <laughs> you're scared around him. Yeah. Like, so I liked that choice because it was so different. It wasn't like super bad or something where it's like, oh, they're really lovable. They may not be attractive, but they're the best people. Yeah. He yeah. was actually like, not. Yeah. I thought you would like Uncle Rico a lot. I did. I thought yeah. I wrote again. I've, I've, I've oh, it's a, amazing cast. I'm getting more, a, more people yeah. that Shane looked like from yeah. 2004. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm getting a lot of joy lately when doing these movies. Is trying to pick which scene like Shane would like laugh at the most. I like laugh extra, and I felt like when he's showing them the video of him doing football, I'm like oh, I man. can picture him like, and he like does the weird little throw. Yeah, it was just so so stupid. But any other time, I would not like that. Yeah, but he just. Is the you believe everything Uncle Rico says? He he has such a strange character where he was like a third string quarterback in high school, and he keep he believes in his heart that if he was put into the game, even though it never would have happened, they would have won the state championship. He would have gone to the NFL, and his whole life would have been different. It's just this strange this the, his point of view. It's over all these like weird losers who kind of are aware they're losers, but so desperately do not want to be it and don't believe they deserve it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Uh, yeah, uh, Uncle Rico was uh, was very interesting. I also liked how Napoleon didn't have time for Uncle Rico's shit. Like, you know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? It's like, yeah. you think at some point, it's like, well, Uncle Rico did sh Like, I'm nice to all my family, you know? But then sometimes, it's like, if I had an Uncle Rico, I would tend to lean more like, yeah, okay, Uncle Rico, okay. But I kind of like how Napoleon's like, he's just not having it. He's not having yeah, it with Yeah, he doesn't Rico. care for niceties. No, he no. does not. He doesn't. So that I found, I, it, their tension was always interesting to me. And I found it interesting that, like, Kip went along. Actually... Maybe Kip and Napoleon are kind of like me and my little brother when it comes to uh, oh. those kinds of interactions. So you're Kip? I'm Kip. I'm a bit of a people pleaser, you know? Like, I would have went into that business venture with Uncle Rico just because he asked, and I have trouble saying no. Whereas my brother would have been like, babes online no. all day. Well, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do see that correlation, yeah. <laughs> um, but we, yeah. All, we all liked Pedro, right? So I laid in the bathtub for a while, but then I realized that it was my hair that was making my head so hot. So I went into my kitchen, 
And they saved it a lot. I love Pedro. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Pedro's, Pedro's amazing. He's in some ways he's kind of the heart of the film. Like mm-hmm. he, he might be the most he's probably the most likable character because he is just sort of there for the ride and mm-hmm. you know, he's he's it's very sweet. There's just a, there's a sweetness to it where there's not a lot of sweetness in this movie. Well, he's not like uh there's no there's no um He's not duplicitous. There's no conniving. Like he's like he likes Summer because she's hot. He doesn't even frame the fact that he would have no shot at Summer. Yeah. He's like she's attractive. I'll go for her. Yeah. Then the honesty is, is amazing. There. I'll bake her a cake. It's just so like. Yeah. So he goes for it. Then she's something. like, no, she's not gonna go to date. And then the photographer girl comes up, who Napoleon's interested, and he's like, she's attractive. And then he eventually just asks her out behind Napoleon's back, but he doesn't even realize it would be behind Napoleon's back. Mm-hmm. It was just another attractive girl at school that he'd take a shot with. Like she talked to us. I mean, I mean, even in the. World of the movie, I feel like Napoleon would full on agrees because he's like, I don't want to run for president. I think Pedro, you're the most, you're the nicest guy I ever met. You should be president of the school. Yeah, and never even questions it. And and something I love, and maybe there's a deeper meaning to this that you probably know, but just the scene, the unnecessary scene of him overheating, shaving his head, <laughs> and then wearing a wig to replace his hair. Like, I couldn't stop thinking about yeah. that. I thought that something happened with production. It's yeah. it is. I don't. I don't know. It I is, thought the actor is, did something weird to his hair, so they had to put That's it what in. I was thinking. Yeah, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. But I, I loved it though. I'm a big Jared Hess fan. I've, I, Nacho Libre is also one of my. I love everything he makes, but ninety percent of the joke when he's just talking about jokes is, isn't that weird? Yeah, and like a kid shaves his head and then has to wear some medieval wig. It's like there's uh, there's there's no deeper meaning. That's just a weird thing to look at. Isn't that weird and funny? And I. Bad because it's lazy, but it's good because usually it makes me laugh. Like, I wouldn't doubt, though, if... It's if, so tough to, to wrap my head around it. I wouldn't doubt if that happened when Jared was in high school. Whoever, you know, like, I wouldn't doubt if that's a story someone had heard. There's a few things like that in this Because it's so weird that you go, that must have happened to like a kid, the, or they heard about and that. And it does provide to insight to a character that they mm-hmm. do not think about the long-term effects. Short-term gain. I'm hot. I'm going to shave my head. <laughs> that's going to be cool. Oh, shit. Now I need to look good. Time to buy a wig. It's like that's how Pedro it thinks. It shows right? that he's a panicky person, so it kind of mm-hmm. sets up the the whole what happens at the end, where he freaks out at the debate. Mm-hmm. But he does just kind of make. You know, we never see the actor with a shaved head, though. Do you think the actor refused to shave his head? That's why they did the hood until he oh, put the wig on. Yeah, and then they just oh, have the wig no, on. Oh no, he shaves. You see oh, one you're right. shot. There's a no, shot where he cuts through. On. It. There's a shot where he's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep, yep, like yep, you yep, see it come off. My bad. Yep, just because yep, yep. there was a there's a scene later where he was very hot and it looked like real hair. And I was like, did they shoot? Well, oh, you know De Niro in uh, Taxi Driver, how he has the mohawk? Yeah. He never actually cut his hair into a mohawk. They put a bald wig on him and then stubble and made no, it look. Did they really? Yeah. De Niro's the guy who'll fuck himself up for anything. I know, but for Don't some... mess with his hair. Yeah. He didn't cut his hair. He's <laughs> like, like Uncle, uh, Uncle Jesse. pounds, but don't shave half of his head. I enjoyed the, uh, the chicken coop scene, which again was a very weird sort of just its own skit. There was a bunch of skits within, I feel like, this for film. Sure. And, and it was largely sort of plotless. It was kind of like sign. It was like. It's like a, a movie Character about nothing. Character-driven film. Exactly. Yeah. So when they he has to make some money, uh, and so he goes to work for the chicken coop or whatever, doing shit with the chicken, and they put out the egg yolk to drink and the sandwiches or whatever. At one point, uh, one of the kids, I think it's Napoleon, says something, and the old guy is just like, I don't understand a word you just said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then continues on like it's nothing. Do the chickens like, have talons? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. That's it. He's asking about the talons. And I'm just like, that's funny. That's a nice little reprieve from the rest of the film. Yeah. And then they made just like pennies on the dollar or whatever it yep, was yep, for the yep. work. Um, the post credit scene. Oh, that's on the bad for me. I can't even. Yeah, I was I gonna say. I, I don't know if there's one good thing I can say about it. So we'll save it till the yeah. second half, unless you like it. 
I'm totally indifferent towards it. I found it. I thought, yeah. I, I mean, I, it largely lives in like the, why is this here? It's kind of weird. I hated it. I thought it was self-referential. I thought it was just sort of picking up like as if like a, it's like a fan film. It's like, you know what it's like? It's almost like the movie was, it, the movie was so popular and they needed like an opening scene for the MTV Movie Awards. So they yeah. did something that This was thought, shot after the fact? I don't know. Well, way after. It was. This was like the credits. This was after the theatrical. This was for the DVD. That and, makes sense. And future watching where Fox, Fox Searchlight, it cost uh, whatever the, if the I don't, I don't know, what the, I didn't know what the budget was, but I know I saw that it cost half the budget or whatever the movie cost. Yeah, so I guess I don't a couple that. hundred thousand dollars for one scene. I, I did. Okay. I will, since we're in the good part, I will say that when Kip and LaFonda, LaFonda. are getting married, and then she says, I do. And it goes to like her side of the family. And like, I don't know if it's oh, her brother. Funny. He just puts his head down. Yeah, like, yeah, I can't funny. stand that. Like, that made me laugh for him. Like, her family clearly does not want her, her yeah, to marry yeah, Kip. Yeah, yeah. I, liked, I liked that part. And I also liked the horse riding. Part. The way it comes like, in. it's stupid, but I liked it. And Physical it, comedy wise, like he looked funny on Jared the horse. Jared movies. It's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you liked him coming in on the horse. Just the way he was doing it. I was, I, was funny. In, I was impressed by it. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, I guess, because it's good, back to the good. I, what I don't like about it is it under, I thought the ending ending uh, with the tetherball. I caught you a delicious bass. You want to play me? Was such like a perfect ending for this movie where there's like it's not trying hard. It's not trying yeah. hard. It's Napoleon. I'm gonna play tetherball with this girl, and I feel like a lesser movie would have him just like play tetherball or something, and and the camera's like panning back, and then he starts to like overdo it and go way too hard and beat her ass at tetherball, <laughs> and then he gives her a little high five, and I'm like, that's right, that's how you end it. Riding in on a white horse is not. Napoleon. It is. It is this little high school, weird, lame high school. Like tetherball is the right place to be at, not in a field with with the white horse. And I was impressed by the how they did that. It looked very impressive how he was hitting yeah. that ball every tetherball. time and how fast it was. It, clearly, he was mm-hmm. good at playing tether. Yeah. And, he, and the, the character of Napoleon, who obviously values skills over anything mm-hmm. else, is good at tetherball. So I'm going to show it because girls love skills. So <laughs> the so the nine times you saw in the theater, you never saw that wedding scene. No. So so obviously you have a real aversion to it because you're like, I like it the That's way it was. Just like the, I the Dumb and Dumber effect. Just like the Dumb and Dumber yep, effect, yep, 100%. Makes sense. I'm so used to the rhythm of the movie. Like I know every beat, every line, every inflection. I didn't know it existed until you texted us. Johnny texted us the night we were watching. He's like, be sure to watch after the credits. I was like, what? And then so I fast forward and then the, the minute the scene opens, I texted back, wow, because I had no idea. And to your point, it does look, it looks more expensive than the rest of the yeah. film. You know, it's like it's 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 like we're all of a sudden in Legends of the Fall or some but shit. I wonder <laughs> the incentive to do that. Like, wh- is that does that sell DVDs? Like, had, legally, had, they're allowed to say something different on the DVD. It had cover? to be extra scene added, new ending. I remember yeah. I remember buying the DVD because I was super excited to buy it because now here's an opportunity I can show it to more people. I remember I brought like my cousins over to my house. You're like, you a real, have to watch uh, this movie. yeah, you're a real sharer. Like you're yeah. like, whatever the, yeah. the gladiator was. You're a real maven when. It comes Maven. To you like to socialize yeah. things that you enjoy. Yeah, big time. I'm yeah. sensing a new nickname on the horizon. Ooh. <laughs> the Maven. What's that, Maven? The, me- the Mensa Maven. <laughs> the Mensa Maven. <laughs> the Mensa I'm Maven. I'm a professional wrestler. Ryerson grad. Ryerson grad and Mensa Maven, Johnny Popolis. <laughs> the Mensa Maven. So, what do we hate about this? Well, hold on. Oh. Let's get into yeah. We got to we got to do we got to do the best oh, scene. Oh fuck! I'm sorry. And then we'll get to best performance. We can we can go quickly. Yeah, baby. Yeah. All good. So, what is the best scene in this film? Uh, the dancing. I I feel like you both will dislike it, but I thought the dancing scene at the time blew my mind. And every time in subsequent watch, and again watching it, it makes me laugh. The Napoleon dancing at the at the the debates. Johnny, it's gonna surprise you. Huh? 
But I fucking agree. There it's you the go. climax yeah. of the film. It's it the only unreal. memorable scene from the film. Hundred percent agree. When I saw it the first time, I was like, "Holy shit!" Like they committed to that dance. He actually got really good. That that Jamiroquai song. Like that scene is the most iconic scene in the film. It's uh, unreal, yeah. and it's, and it's lived on in like gifts and stuff. And if there's, I feel like that scene has lived on more than anything else in the movie. I completely agree. Yeah, yeah. I think it's the by far the best scene, the most memorable. And it's like we kind of see a, a guy come out in front of a bunch of his peers who's throughout the whole film sort of been this loser and he starts out that way and then he wins them over you know in, in a yeah. way that he tried to do all these other things the buddy says but what it was was just be your weird self man and when you do it people give you a standing ovation like it was great yeah it was so it was a great feeling it was funny the whole the little de- everything well and you don't even quite know if it's good in yeah. a weird way you're going you don't know where this, this is good? going wait that was good wait is this good and then when they give the standing oh you're like yes it was good like <laughs> it almost reinforces the way you're watching this thing you're almost watching the performance as a viewer for the first time the way that those kids are in the auditorium well yeah. and i like much in the same way i was saying i like the horse part because i'm wondering like how did he figure out how to ride the horse like that what's the trial and error process how much choreographer choreography went in this how much of this is improv how much was improv that then turned into choreography he, there like, was no choreography well wow. he improvised they they gave him three songs because they had they apparently had like huge scheduling issues so they just on the day we're just going to record you doing a bunch of dances so he just did three dances of a song and they just edited together the best bits so it was yeah. literally just it was all improv it's which makes it even crazier they must have really like when they're cutting this movie together like we have something special here oh yeah you know like yeah like and i'm sure i don't even know how many festivals it played out before mtv got involved it was, Fox uh, it was sundance and, and it was a apparently like a historic bidding war doesn't i don't doubt it at movie. all yeah. yeah it's a special movie um Okay, best performance. Cheney. Well, it's hard. There was a lot of good ones in this. A lot of memorable, to say the least. Even if you didn't like the characters, they definitely stood out. But I'm going to say... Hmm. Jeez, this is the toughest one. This is so hard. (laughs) (laughs) No. I'm going to say Pedro. Just because... Here's why. Uh, It's a good answer. Napoleon, it was cool character... But Pedro, I kind of, even though it was so weird, I bought it. Whereas Napoleon, I couldn't help but thinking it was this character. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, not that they were trying to say, like, Napoleon lives in the real world. And you can only like him if you believe that he's real. But Pedro did both for me. And that's what I really thought. That's that's amazing casting, one. And two, that's a great actor to be able to pull that off. I had a question that might have been in the second part, but I can say it now, that because I, I agree with you. I think Pedro's great. And I do wonder, is Pedro like a racist caricature? And I think he could have been. and But the the actor plays it so genuine and so sweet that he just... That it, it's it, it, you never. Th- I would only think about it in terms of trying to like critically step outside the movie and think about if there's any like problems with this film. Well, a good test for me too is if you're watching a movie and then you're like Googling the... The guy afterwards, and you're like, he's not like that in real life. Whereas John Heater, it's a foregone conclusion. No one's like that. <laughs> so you're not like, oh, he's different than he was in the movie. But Pedro, I thought he might talk. Same with Kip. To find out Kip's like a normal, cool guy was kind of mind-blowing yeah. to me. So between Kip and Pedro, I was I was really wondering who I would say. But yeah, Pedro at the end. I'd say Kip. Yeah. Kip, it's well, to me, choice. it's Kip and, or Uncle Rico. Uncle Rico has like a lot of great moments, especially the part where he's sitting there and putting his biceps out and he keeps kind of looking <laughs> yeah. at his arms to see if his biceps look nice I while like he's sitting how, there. I thought, I thought <laughs> he handled the performance very delicately when he was getting his photo taken. Huh. You did it? Wow. Wow, I felt really relaxed. Thanks, Deb. Yeah. And when she's like, she actually's like, that was really good. We nailed it. 
he weirdly like he really needed that <sighs> affirmation and that that sort of like re, like the reassurance. Yeah. Like he it's like I don't know he spent his whole life as a th- third string quarterback and it's like that was really good. I think we know. He's like, yeah, you think? Like that was kind of a nice, tender, telling moment to me about yeah, his character. Agreed. And but how much but I, Kip was everything he said, even non jokes, made me laugh. Like everything <laughs> he did, he just the the it's it's an amazing performance where he can just kind of shrug and it makes me laugh. Like that's that he I'm, uh, that means I'm so in on this guy. I can't. How can I deny saying he's the best part of this movie? Yeah, in a film full of like idiosyncratic performances, Kip sort of steals the show. He does, which yeah. is like like. And every line is memorable. Everything he does, that gif I sent earlier of him doing the... Of course. Yes. I've used that plenty, even Absolutely. though I haven't watched the film in a decade. Yeah. Uh, I, You know, I, I am going to go with Napoleon because I think it's really hard to lead a film like... Like, Kip gets to play off of Napoleon and the situation, and, and Pedro gets to play off Napoleon. And I think it's really hard to do, you know, to carry a whole film in that weird character. You know yes. what I mean? And sort of Very like hard. commit to it and then still have us kind of watch and like carry through the movie with it mm-hmm. i just i think the level of difficulty is harder on the napoleon character for the whole film so i'm gonna go with napoleon as yep, far as like that makes sense i mean he's the namesake of the film so it makes it easy but i my, agree my, I agree my only slag and i know this yeah. isn't like argue why i'm wrong but it was just that i feel like so many people could have played napoleon hmm. and and pulled but something is it like in that retrospect off. is it like it seems easy because it May, maybe it's uh the ad nauseum from the imitation that yeah. i'm like yeah. oh that's really good imitation yeah, maybe it's I don't know. That. Yeah, he uh, kind of created a wholly sort of original character, mm-hmm. not seen since the likes of Forrest Gump. And <laughs> I'm I will, just kidding. To, to <laughs> not say Napoleon, <laughs> it feels weird not to say Napoleon because it's uh, he's no, almost like the end. You both make effect. sense. Yeah. I, I feel like I'm gonna. I have some issues that will get. Maybe we can start right now. Let's do it. The case against keeping it on the pedestal. Yep. What has aged badly? What was bad even then? What are its flaws? Okay, so we've been sort of dancing around. I think the worst part about this movie is that society kind of like ruined it in Hmm. that in the same way you brought Borat. I have Borat written down. I have Austin Powers written down the idea of when I like first saw Austin Powers, that movie was incredible, but now like there's no way to not feel like I'm watching impressions. Like like, every single, they seem hack in retrospect, even though they weren't at the time. Exactly. So Borat, like you said, like, can you watch Borat again? It's like, but I mean, it's not the movie's fault. That every fucking idiot does Borat impressions and they've ruined the movie. Same with Napoleon. I feel like I can't watch Napoleon as funny as he is wow. without picturing Dum Dums being like, sweet, yes, gosh, and all the, the Napoleon. It feels like I'm watching someone do an impression of him, even though he is the original character. So it reminds you of the time when people were doing that. Because I don't people yes. aren't still doing no, these no, 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 no. I feel yeah. like I feel like that's part of why I feel like the movie like left the zeitgeist, because I feel like the impressions and everything took over overkill. so much that they killed it. For me. Yeah, yeah. I think also this film takes place in a specific time and place right before self-awareness became current. Like, like mm-hmm. self-awareness with the internet now, You like someone like Napoleon would realize they were idiosyncratic and find a way to either play. Like, it's kind of the last time that we could kind of watch a movie like that about those people. And it's like they weren't aware that they were funny that they were unintentionally funny. I feel like people like now Napoleon would be fully aware that he was like of who he was and what his status was in high school. And I don't know, it's kind of a weird thing. So it's like, yeah, you can't really change who you are. I feel like a lot of people, they, they still acknowledge I'm this weird person, but that doesn't mean they can help being that weird person. Right. Right. I feel like they can mitigate it a bit. Like I feel like now Napoleon would be on like a, the people in high school would have him on a Facebook group making fun of him or something. So then he'd be, you know what? That's a great, he'd be very aware now of like, he couldn't be his like free self anymore in a way that was like not self-conscious because the internet's changed that. So wait, that 
that somehow bothers you now watching the film? No, I was I was kind of speaking to John's point about like uh, uh, that has that the time outside, and place. Has, has, the, has our current world kind of affected how you're watching this movie? Yeah, that's what I'm asking. Yeah. yeah. So for you, that affected the way you watched it. I, in the sense that I feel like it's a it's a time capsule. Okay. This, so this movie to me doesn't it age doesn't well. it doesn't age like it feels like I'm watching like a Sixteen Candles like I've, you know when you watch an '80s movie about high school in the '80s that experience is vastly different than high school in the '90s and then yeah it, so for me it's like because of the way these characters act and sort of like the time and space they occupy the way they clothe the, the way they dress and all that stuff it's just very of that time. Right. See, for me, this movie, what I I thought was kind of cool about it is that it is timeless. It lives right. in that like world where uh, it follows kind of did the same thing where it was like is this in the future the past or the present i i don't really know so i just accepted that here's a world where people are more like napoleon and pedro than not haley was only the kind of version of a character i i represent i recognize even though she was kind of playing a caricature of a popular person but I think her, her boyfriend, and her girlfriend—the one that was the daughter of the one that made her, the one that yeah, went but the, to the, the mom the was the, the mom was strange. Yeah, I, I would agree. The yeah. friend was more in that normal world of a typical movie. But I do think that still, this was more timeless than it was of an era that's come and passed. To yeah, me, it was like I, I don't so. ever recognize. I think that. especially because I was one of those people who, when it first came out, thought this movie took place in like, like does this movie take place in nineteen ninety? Yeah. Like, yeah. so by virtue of that. Yeah, I just feel like there's You never see a cell phone either. And like I had yeah. friends that had cell phones by ninety nine. Like Idaho, I guess the answer was it's Idaho. Small town. It's small yep. town in two thousand four. They are using VHS tapes and they don't have cell phones, and that's just kind of what it is there. Yep. Um, I thought that it didn't really I mean, we've talked about this. There wasn't really a plot, like it was like a character study sort of thing. Like John describing uh, the the what's the what's the dude's name? The karate dude? Uh, Rex Kwando. Rex Kwando, uh, sort of like laying out what Napoleon was then going to try and emulate mm-hmm. to have a better life. That's the you know, and I don't necessarily. That's, think... I will admit that's a stretch. I, I, and also, I don't so, think I don't think I don't think, so. I don't think mean, the film doesn't... has to have a plot to necessarily like no. be good or like excel. But I thought that it, the lack of a plot in this film made me feel a little bit like, like there's no tension. There was there was like, like a lack of plot, and it felt almost like a TV show. I was like, this almost ah. works better as like a ten episode thing on Netflix. Now they made a TV show. I didn't know that they made an animated uh, for Fox. This was like three years ago. Wow. With all the John Heater and John Grise and and all all of them were available. <laughs> I'm kidding. Of course they were. So I just mean <laughs> I mean they went for it. Like they really yeah. made. But doesn't this feel bad. doesn't this feel like a very like idiosyncratic like singular vision like the pace it moves Big at? Time. It feels like a TV yeah. show more than a film to me. I, I wrote that that it felt very disjointed. That it felt like at any given moment this movie feels like it'd be kind of coming apart at the seams. And I I. Love. I thought I really liked all the characters, but I can imagine if you're not charmed by these characters, you would just be lost on this movie. You what? have to. You have to really want to see what's going to happen to Napoleon to to care about him drinking milk for for like five straight minutes. Not to say really like it's bad, bad, but I do. There is a, there is a looseness to it where I do feel like it's kind of. It's not also, falling off the tracks, but I can see it wobbling. It's a testament to John Heater as well that uh, like. He can make a scene of him drinking milk, like his physical comedy. It's the, yes, it's After just like the time. way. He, or it did, was it one where he was doing? He did the Gatorade. He came out and like he'd been dancing in the room, <laughs> and he chugs the Gatorade, and he, he cut, talks to Lafonda, yeah. and then she gives him the tape. Like just that scene alone, it's like if that's if if that character, if that actor, John Heater, is not funny in that moment, I want to get the hell out of that scene. But yep. he makes it funny in such a weird, bizarre way. Like on paper, Napoleon chugs Gatorade is not doesn't. 
Like Jack Reed Black is, is that character. I, I know he's obviously too old, but like is too big in a weird way and doesn't it isn't believable. I think it also helps that nobody knew who the hell that actor was. Like he yeah. was a nobody. He was Napoleon yeah. Dynamite. Well, exactly. he drank it like he was a six year old, <laughs> and it's like he he wasn't he wasn't aware that you got to kind of be a little more refined when you get older or when people are around change the way you act. Yeah. And I love that he didn't. And yeah. that's what I I thought like that's pretty cool. Like say what you will about Napoleon, but he's himself all the time. Totally. Which I enjoyed. That's on the good one. Yep. Yep. Uh, any baddies there, Shane, for you? Well, Rex Quando. Take a look at what I'm wearing, people. Do you think anybody wants a roundhouse kick to the face while I'm wearing these bad boys? Forget about it. I would hope we can agree. How do we say no, his name? No, I thought it was funny. Well, well, let me say my point first. Okay. <laughs> You're asking me. I'm saying I hope we can agree that he seemed like he was in a different film. Yes. Yes. And it, was I, it felt like they were like pulling in a favor from someone who's a little bit more famous out of the, the film's league. Knew. They're like, please show, show up for a day. Here's this little bit of cash. And he's like, this is a comedy, right? And they're like, yeah. Uh-huh. And he's like, it's this Diedrich type of Bader. comedy. Yeah, that, I thought that All was... Right. It took me out of the world too much because I thought the world was so perfect in the sense that everyone was acting in a way that I would expect from this world that was created. Mm-hmm. And then he comes along. I'm like, get out of this movie. It felt like You're a sketch. You're not welcome here. He felt yeah. like an actor in a sketch playing it very big. Like, uh, this is my character in this. Like, it felt like any like any sort of bad sketch comedy performance to me. Um, and it was just calibrated differently than the rest of the film. The rest of the film was kind of like, even though there was big moments, it was an understated film. His performance was super big. Yep. And now one could argue, listen, that's the character. Like, he's a guy that has commercials on TV selling his, his gym, so he's he is performative by nature in that character. I guess I would buy that. But I, I lean more towards Shane. And just that, like, I was like, whew, he's really like, it's really like you're supposed to laugh out loud at. The, I like the Starla line. Like you think I end up with Starla if I like to me but that the, was yeah. the, the uncle character. I thought could have played that role also just as big because it, yeah. it was like that's how you do that character, and it really shined a light on how bad that guy was, and exacerbated by the fact now that that character is no longer famous, and he's probably the least famous or recognizable character out of the movie. He's on Veep. He does a pretty big oh, part on that. I don't show. watch feet. <laughs> Maybe I mean, I'm wrong. I know, I but to me, I was like, that guy's not even famous cl- anymore, and he sucks. He clearly. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guys listening Shane's, to this podcast. It's like Shane, sit down. <laughs> uh, no, I know what you mean. He, that, uh, uh, that, now that you say it, he does feel like he kind of he was the most famous guy. Here's this kid who's directing his first movie, and I'm like, I'm just gonna do it my own way because I'm don't, I'm not gonna embarrass myself by doing your little kind of weird twee thing that you're going on here so I'm going to go big and broad and so yeah it sits out I thought it was funny I think there's a lot of things in this movie that kind of could go back and forth on but I know it made me laugh Yeah, but I can get what you're saying I, I also get why it's funny I, do, I, I just I lean more toward I do think it's vibrating at a different frequency than the rest of the film yeah it does that performance yeah um, what was with the cow interlude like what were him and Pedro doing with the fucking cows yeah what, what part is that weird where, I, I don't know where, where they he, like where he's dr- drinking the milk and then they're checking the cow and it's like I see what's wrong with that udder. There's a fifth, there's another nipple right oh, there. Oh yeah, that had me just thinking I missed something. I just I was like, no. are they showing that Napoleon has such a refined taste that he can win these weird county fair shit thing? I'm just like, but what is it? It's out of context. There's nothing funny about is it, it really. Watching him get a win because he's been losing so much. I don't know. I just, but it's not Maybe. funny. I, I just didn't understand its purpose. I've always thought that. Yeah. yeah. It's strange. It's just like an interlude is a good way to put it where it's like nothing's really happening here. Well, if this was a TV show, like I said, a 10 part show on, on, on Netflix, there'd be an episode where him and Pedro go and he enters the milk like tasting contest. Yeah. If you lift that fair. out of the movie, you miss 
like nothing. I know exactly. that's a tough thing to do with any kind of plotless movie, but so I had that on my like. I just don't understand what it is or why what it's doing here. Yeah, I thought that because you said you like the chicken coop thing, and the chicken coop thing. Well, he, was, he needed to make money because Uncle Rico was like, "You need to start pulling your weight around here." Yeah. At least it led somewhere. Like Kip and, and Uncle Rico were like doing their business, and Napoleon's this high school kid that's not pulling his own weight, and he's pissed at Uncle right. or Rico. So Uncle Rico's like, "You actually need to start earning money," and like, you know, he's like, "I earned this today." So that at least made sense. Where it's like, okay, this is Napoleon's attempt to actually be yep. a big earner, and this is how it turned out, which was disastrous. Right? I just wonder the chicken coop thing because we talk about things that don't age, not necessarily things that are bad, but things that don't age as well. Is that like an animal cruelty thing that cannot that if now if that movie came out now would there be like a tweet storm outraged people being like putting those chickens da 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 like I feel like it's the kind of thing people would get angry about. No, yeah. am I wrong? I don't know. I, don't I, know. I wouldn't put question. anything past anyone, but I think it's the reality of the situation. They would say I, this is exactly how people handle chickens, and your but problems then they'd with be chicken like, well, farms. Then they shouldn't be handling them that way, and sort of why would you put that in a movie and glorify it? I could just right. picture it like like a studio makes you cut that scene out of your movie now. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, if it makes people feel uncomfortable about the way the ch- chicken had been handled by the actor. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it was uncomfortable. It did, it did make you go like, ooh. Yeah. But, um, Which was the point. But I mean, I do t- can see it being something that just it's, it has not aged as well. Exactly. Yeah. Do we need it? Do we know? need it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because you should be like, we're not, it's not worth it. What are you trying treats. to say? Are you trying to say something about, yeah. Uh, yeah, big chicken farming or who knows anyway? And for me, there wasn't enough laughs in the movie. Feels like you say that a lot with a lot of the comedies we do. Well, in the comedy, say- in the comedy, there's one thing I like: <laughs>, laughs. It's a small request. Yeah, uh, and it, a lot of it was just felt a little bit weird for weirdness' sake. I know that's kind of the whole mo of the movie, mm-hmm. but it's lost its luster to me at this point because I was just a little bit bored watching it. There is a lot. There is a lot of that, and I, with Jared Hess, where it's like if you don't find looking at something that's weird funny, then that's it's there's gonna no, feel long. A, it's a lot. It's very shallow. Sure. The jokes, mm-hmm. like I know that there, there, there is some deeper stuff going on, but there is absolutely, no matter what, there's Kip and a do rag. Like that's 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 the that's joke. That's the gag. Yeah. If you're not mm-hmm. laughing at Kip and a do rag, I got there's nothing else there for you, really. Well, I was laughing at Kip and a do rag. Yeah. Just saying that th- that's that's the the level of joke that a lot of these jokes are are operating on. Well, because it gave me a point where I know to laugh. Like when Kip walks out, there's mm-hmm. a beat, and then I'm like, that's funny. Where sometimes it was like I felt like I needed to fully get why it was funny, or I felt like I wasn't cool because yeah. I wasn't like Napoleon laughing. in that suit, or just his reaction to the suit. How do you feel about that one? It looks nice. Yeah, it looks pretty sweet. It looks awesome. It's it's, it's incredible. Like that's not a joke. That's yeah. just affectation. And, and, and I have built up resentment too from people doing those imitations and that I thought I was cooler then. And I'm like, yeah. they're losers. Did you, you know? laugh now? No, I didn't. Did you Be- laugh at any of the gosh? Oh, like all the no the because Napoleonisms. It's, it's built in my head that yeah. that is a loser imitation. Yeah, like if I, I see know. someone do "Yeah, baby," Austin Powers, just by seeing him go "Yeah, baby" in the movie, I kind of will roll my eyes. Yeah, and like if somebody's Mike doing Myers like "My well. wife." Yeah, yeah, my wife and high five are ruined. I don't think I ruined. could laugh at that. Yeah, Borat. Right. And I feel like that's not this movie's not suffering from that. It's not the movie's fault, but there's no way around saying the movie. The movie absolutely suffers from it. For mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, and I I guarantee the first time around, what was so funny was how bizarre he was, and you're yes. laughing at him, be like, sweet. You know, you and just, now it's like, okay, all right. I, yeah. I rolled my eyes a lot more this time around because of that. I still think he's funny in a very charming, idiosyncratic yeah. way. But I didn't I didn't laugh out loud a ton, you know? Yeah. And then the post-credits thing I go back to, I just... There was also time travel. Remember Uncle Rico was trying to travel back in time? 
And then I did like the payoff where it's like, so like it's a stupid thing he got off the internet and uh, Napoleon tries it and he's like, tries to go back to whenever he's going to go back to and he's, he zaps himself and obviously this contraption just hurts. And he's like, oh, it hurt or whatever. And then Uncle Reed comes in and he's like, I could have told you that. <laughs> yeah. like, that, that was probably my favorite joke in the great whole thing. Payoff, there you, go. you know, but great I mean, payoff. Because you think the gag is the Napoleon physical comedy of, you think, oh, the gag is basically football in the nuts. He's getting hurt, right? So mm-hmm. it's like, that's that. But then Uncle Rico coming out and saying the line is like, oh, that's the fucking joke. That Rico's already tried it and left it there. Well, it's a good reprieve too in the sense that it's not just being weird. That is a joke where I know the laughing point. It's not just reactionary where it's like, it's funny not what what he said, but how he said it or how he did it. I'm like, <laughs> that is just a great written line on the page. Yeah. And that's what I uh, yep. like. It kind of like caught me off guard. I was like, oh, fuck, cleverer than I thought it was going to be there. Man, it is hard to peg if, if, no, if you've never heard of this movie in any way, and I just played this movie for someone, <laughs> would they think I'm insane? Would they think I'm a Could crazy? go either way. Like, I, I, it's hard for me to, I was thinking that while watching. I'm like, if I just straight up, you've never, oh, I got to show it now. It's 2019. I got to show you this crazy movie from 2004. I love this movie. I saw it nine times in theaters. Then I play it. I could just see someone just sitting there and every like 10 minutes, like looking at me, like, what have you done? What are, what are you doing? Why did you show me this movie? Uh, this movie is very, like, uh, it's hard to pinpoint exactly. <laughs> What? It's honestly, it's like an indie band. It's very weird. Like yeah. some people, you would show them their t- their tunes, and they would go, "This band is the truth. This is awesome. Like this is so innovative and weird." And then other people would be like, eh, "Like I just, I don't know. I'd, I'd rather have some like top forty or whatever." Or it's like that's not even a chorus. What, what, am I what would we say? Is this like the Weezer of movies, or is Weezer too popular? Way too popular, I think. Okay. Weezer is. But I, yeah, I guess. But but like I also to your question, who, when I show this to people, what do they think? I think, I think even to this day, if our friend Peak had never seen this film, and I was like. Do you want to like smoke a bowl and watch this movie? He would walk away saying that movie is one of the funniest fucking films I've ever this seen. This movie is a good just because of his, movie. his 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 personality. Whereas yeah, like, but if, you're smoking a bowl there. Even if he didn't, I bet no? you if he was yeah. just sitting somewhere and he was watching, he'd be like, he'd be like, what? I, by the way, I don't smoke weed. Not that that matters to our listeners, but <laughs> bowl there. <laughs> Do we smoke bowls anymore? I don't know. Back in Veer Mansion days, I might have enjoyed a bowl or two. But anyway, so the uh, but but I guess it all depends on the audience. This film is by no means universal, and I actually think now it might be a little bit out of. Uh, time you know yeah. what i mean it's very of its time i still think to this day even though shane leans more timeless because it kind of takes the, place the plot, in a weird universe the, the, it's it's like the 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 fact that it's an artistic comedy movie is what makes it timeless but there are elements to what happens within the movie that kind of pulls it out of time yeah yeah, yeah. and i wonder like long after all of the impressions and like like we said we've all sat through a decade of people sweet doing their, their their we all have done at least one impression on this podcast alone of napoleon dynamite long after those are gone i'd love to know what somebody thinks of this film coming in completely cold in 30 years like are they like yeah our kids like they, they, was, they don't have any annoyance with these catchphrases yeah it's like there, like if they watch the film they go did you go to is that what people were like in high school and my answer would be like a couple, Kinda. yeah, a couple of them, <laughs> but the majority. Of the, there's a bunch of kids that don't have any lines in the film that are in the cafeteria. I'm like, that's kind of what most people are like. Mm-hmm. And then you have a couple like Summer, and then you have a few like Napoleon and his friend. But everybody else is kind of just in the middle and kind of. And I guess if you are weird, everyone who's attracted to you or you're into is weird too. Hundred percent. Yeah. All Guys, right. is, is there it anything that time? else you want to talk? Is there any? That hit everything on the list yeah. for me, but it was uh, a shorter movie, so I think we kind of covered a lot. It of was, it. yeah. Oh, I do want to say that. Okay, there is another thing. Just one last thing. That Uncle Rico, as much as I love his character, it it, it did. Uh, they took a weird turn with him handing out the boob growing pills. Napoleon told me you'd be interested. You stop wishing and call me when you're ready. Agree. It made him like creepy. I'm like, Ooh, this makes him creepy and disgusting, and whatever kind of hope I had for him kind of went away. And then at the end, 
some woman just rides up to him on a bicycle. And I'm like, I guess this is, they never really go any further with it unless you count that post-credits thing. But like, the, she rides up to him. And I guess the guy who is trying to get teenagers to make their boobs bigger gets a happy ending. Like his, his story kind of fluttered away at the end there in a really strange way for me. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I don't know. It was just like it was weird. It was creepy to see him like roll up to these. Hey, hey, ladies. Uh, Napoleon well, wants to give if, you if these. If he's if he's kind of like um like uh you know a, 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 a traveling car salesman or whatever you want to call it, like a door to door salesman. That's kind of how they presented him. He's like, hey, I got. I'll sell you, sell you some magic beans. That's fine. But by making them the breast enlargement thing, mm-hmm. are they trying to mine laughs out of the guy in the van going up to girls and being like, hey, have you ever thought about this? I think it could have been just as funny if it wasn't breast enlargement, but that yeah. might be the joke, is that it's such an inappropriate thing to suggest to high school girls that you're supposed to laugh at that. That doesn't fly this day and age either. But this, did this Creepy. happen at the end? Yeah, near the he end. He changed his business model. Part. Once he got out of the Tupperware, he the started bust, giving out- plus plus? Yeah, it's like breast out. enlargement pills, and he tried to give it to Napoleon's girlfriend. And, and Deb, he goes to he goes to like Deb's house. He's in her basement, and then he's like trying you to think he's hitting on her. Yeah, and then you realize he's I just trying he to sell her the boobs because he goes to see Starla <laughs> and gets tries to sell it to her. And Rex Quando comes and beats the shit yeah. out of him. So he does get comeuppance from his slimy ways, but it does not make him less slimy. It was just but, so I weird. don't think he was ever trying to. Like one look at him, and you know he's a slimy character. Yeah, that's what they're trying. And, and Just because he happens to be lovable doesn't mean we should hold him on. And I don't know if he's trying to be a pervert. I I d- that's the thing. I just don't. If he's a perv, make him a perv. But it's like, he's or not, is he a though. salesman? That he just, just got his hands on a bunch of pills and want to. Move I think them. he's a perv too, though. He's definitely like probably. I would say he's sleeping with all of his female clients. I guess that's true. Them. The 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 girl's mom. He is trying to use. They the insinuated top- that with some of the, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was invited into the house, and Napoleon yeah. looks in and. Yeah, he's oh by the way, and then the one house, but that was an old lady, which would be hilarious. Remember when Napoleon needs to go pick her up for the prom, and he's like, "I'm gonna go and don't you knock Napoleon." Napoleon yep, sitting yep. in the van, and he's like, he starts knocking, doesn't come, and then Napoleon starts hitchhiking or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, that was the other thing. Uh, Is he seducing old ladies so they can buy Tupperware? Know. Is that know. what you're suggesting? But like you said, Mormons made this. Maybe everything's insinuation without them actually being able to actually say mm-hmm. anything. Maybe that's the joke. I just think he could have been selling hair loss instead of the boobs, unless the gag is it's inappropriate for him to be selling boob uh, growth pills to teenagers it's like yeah. is, is he not even aware of how inappropriate bottom line he is. is it's just it, it when we say things that don't age well that has absolutely not aged it just well. wasn't funny to me no yeah. it was strange and weird and to make uncle rico a guy who i was kind of he's weird but lovable like everyone's weird and lovable kind of turn him down this like darker place also your question about uh is pedro a stereotype uh-huh I don't know. He felt somewhat real to me. His cousins definitely are. The cousins. That's when they roll up in like <laughs> the, the lowrider. Yeah. And you know that like two Mormon people wrote this into the movie. There's something, something weird about and it. And they got the, what's the car? What do they call Hydraulics. hydraulics. Yeah, 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 yeah. They yeah. just shake their heads at, 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 the, at the bully. Yeah. They're just kind of like the yeah. gangbangers of the film. The joke is look at these dangerous Mexicans. Like yeah. that is the joke. Yeah. It's weird. Guys, it is that time. Are we going to keep Napoleon Dynamite on the pedestal or are we going to knock it off? Who should go first? Uh, I'll I mean, go first because I seen feel like my, my feelings are going to be pro- uh, I, I pretty continue, concise I continue to love this movie it was really funny I, I actually was a little worried I was going to like it less but yeah. I watched it again uh, uh, last week and I loved it the, it all made me laugh the Napoleon stuff still annoys me but I'm going to I'm going to give the movie the benefit of the doubt that like people doing dumb impressions of it kind of ruined it more than the movie itself uh, I, I I still think that the fact that that it's a plotless movie that actually kind of does have a sneaky plot to it kind of elevates it above other comedy. As we were sitting here, I realized that like the the actually goes a little deeper than that. 
where he tries to do the Rex Kondo things where he gets the buddy and, and the clothes and the girl and it doesn't work. But then like the second half of the movie, he does it again, but does it right. So he does the friend, but I don't have, I have his back for an election. And then the clothes are the vote for Pedro thing. And then Deb is the girl that I get where he kind of does all three things again, but properly, which is kind of like proper screenwriting, but it's all kind of embedded into this movie. It's like an onion. You just keep pulling back the yeah, layers. Just, I really liked it. And, and, and there's a reason, uh, there's a reason why I watched it nine times in theaters because I loved it and I continue to love it and definitely on the pedestal. That's a great answer. Uh, okay. So here's the thing. I actually enjoyed this movie a lot more than I thought I was going to enjoy it. I thought that it was going to be like very dated and to your point, we're so sort of like inundated or at least it's become such a part of sort of like pop culture over the last decade and a half. Uh, the imitations and sort of Pedro and, and, and Napoleon and all that. I actually went into it I think with lower expectations. So it exceeded my expectations and I appreciated it just as like a piece of indie filmmaking. I'm like, it's interesting that this film existed. It's very interesting to me that it became a massive hit that made all that money that it made. It's like, I think it's interesting as like a sort of like in the filmmaking canon of sort of historical things from the 2000s, from that decade, 2000, 2010, I think it belongs in some sort of conversation. Um, but I do think it is very specific and idiosyncratic and not super accessible as a comedy. Um, more so than maybe you'd think, but I just feel like it exi it would exist better as like a TV show instead of you must see this movie, this movie is hilarious, or this movie says something about high school, or it says something about the state of people, or it's like a, a comedy goldmine or some sort of like revolutionary comedy. I don't think it hits any of those things as far as like it must stay on the pedestal because I have to recommend it to people or I'd, I'd have to show the people that love movies this movie. I might show people that love movies this movie because I'd be like, this is why this is an interesting movie and it might be this gem, but I do not think it's like a broad pedestal movie. I would not uh, keep it on the pedestal. So Okay. See, yeah, this is one of those movies that makes me rethink like what the pod means, what being on the pedestal means because I do think it was a revolutionary comedy. I do think that, but I don't necessarily think that means it's everyone's cup of tea so i don't know but that does it being someone's cup of tea mean exactly and that that's what i'm really i'm really struggling with because i want to i want to do this right but i i do feel like napoleon doing the dance or the way i felt when napoleon did the dance on stage in the sense that i'm curious if i did show this to people in a room like if i got my projector out and had a had a bunch of people over and was like watch this movie at the end of it i would feel like the way i felt after napoleon danced they could start applauding and do a standing O or it could fall completely flat. So I don't know. This movie might be the perfect movie to have on the pedestal because it is fairly revolutionary. We couldn't, for the reasons at the beginning of this podcast, we couldn't really think of other uh, auteur broad comedy films and that's what this is. And there's, there's so few of them. So for that reason, I want to put it on the pedestal because I do want to inspire future filmmakers and comedy people to start thinking outside the box like this and maybe have a movie that isn't necessarily plot driven or have a traditional point to it. So yeah, I guess I'm going to put it on the pedestal for those reasons. Squeak, squeaked on? Didn't squeak on. Okay. Uh, honestly, if, if there was an option for me to say I need to be like the hung jury and back out of this because I am so muddled by the imitations that have like, <laughs> like I, I just find the imitations so hack. You, you brought it up. It's like, that's what I'm probably more against than the yeah. movie itself. So, yeah, I'm putting it on the pedestal because I have to. If I had the option to back out and not vote, I would. <laughs> sure. Good. I'm glad, I'm glad. I'm glad. It, I, I, think, I don't think it deserved to have like three, three for three, like unanimous vote. It's a perfectly but, charming film yeah. and very enjoyable. I do not think it's a great film. Okay. 
There you go. Two to one. But I like that it's two to one. That's good. I feel like two to one on the pedestal is the right thing for this movie. So Napoleon Dynamite stayed on the pedestal. Yeah. Fuck. There you go, man. (laughs) Tell me me shocked. (laughs) Well, I forgot my book, but I will say... uh, He's holding the bag. I'm holding the bag. Full disclosure. There's no book here at all. But... And that closes the book on that one. That was a bag being dropped on the table. That (laughs) was... (laughs) 